Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Video feed as it, as we always do. 
Uh, we did get the, the problem taken care of. While we, uh, that's why we couldn't get the, uh, uh, the video going for 356 last night. It needed an update of Google Chrome apparently. So we took care of that, and now the camera's working just as fine as ever. A little bit more clear, too, I should say. Uh, and, of course, here tonight, uh, our uh, episode 357 of Revolution, the live video is coming from our group dedicated to Global Force Wrestling, GFWS Global Phenom. <clears throat> and, of course, if you want to check out our, our live video feed, of course, up to episode 357 of Revolution tonight from GFWS, uh, please, by all means, proceed to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash GFWS Worldwide. Um, and, uh, like I said, Take gander of the video there, and like I said, and um, and listen to what I listen and look at what we have to talk about here this evening. Of course, if you want to join us through the old-fashioned way here, kind of like what JD and John does right here, uh, of course through of course talkshoot.com. Please feel free, of course, as always, to give us a call here. The phone number is always one seven two four 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 forty four. Call ID. One three eight oh five five pound the magic six numbers and press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we have to talk about here in in, in the world of wrestling. Let's go ahead and dive right on in here to things, ladies and gentlemen, with our wrestling news and views. And here to go ahead and get going is the Iceman himself, JD Garrity Geraldo. JD, go ahead. I will return momentarily. Bobby Roode took on Roderick Strong tonight. However, at the NXT TV tapings, however, for the t- NXT Championship. Rude and Strong fought over 17 minutes plus, however, and at the end of the night, however, it turned out that the glorious one, however, came out victorious, however, despite a very good effort by Broderick Strong, however, mind you. Also, ladies and gentlemen, however, believe it or not, earlier today it was reported, however, here, just give me a second here, I'm getting this information here, uh, Charlotte Flair will have a role in the Psych movie. Flair will play the part of Heather Rockrear, a sidekick to the movie's villain, who will be played by Zachary Levi. Uh, of course, uh, Zachary Levi's character, we'll tell you about him in just a second. However, Meanwhile, apparently, one person is not very impressed with the announcement that uh, John Cena and Rusev will be having a flag match, if you will. In fact, the person who was talked about it, however, was Eric Bischoff, who today on his wrestling podcast said that Vince McMahon needs to rethink the plan. Here were his comments. I hate it. I just hate it. God, whose idea was that? Vince McMahon? If you're listening to this or someone that works for you is listening to this, rethink that. That's just yuck. My teeth just hurt listening to you talk about this. What's a flag match? What the hell is it? It's like been around for a thousand years. Everybody knows what a flag match is. So I'm going to take your flag. You're going to take my flag. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't care. Boring. Here's what I do believe. Once now, I take off my cynical hat. If you want to build up a story and create emotion, build anticipation, have a sense of reality, and give yourself an element of surprise and wrap it all on some great action, you've got to be a little believable. The stakes have to be more relatable. What are the stakes here? You're going to grab my flag? Huh. You're grabbing my flag? That's what I'm going to get pissed off and fight my heart out, heart out about. You're just going to grab my flag? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to sleep through this one. And uh, other than that, that's all we got for right now. And while Chad's doing that, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, give you a quick reminder that tomorrow night on Talk Heal Inc., we will be talking about Ring of Honor and New Japan, ladies and gentlemen, 14562. 
And, of course, Wolfpack will be back in the saddle again, 135-21 pound, ladies and gentlemen. So be sure to check that out coming up tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we, of course, also expecting here uh, the human suplex machine here to give us our first piece of news here in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. But a quick reminder also, ladies and gentlemen, that this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, on Revolution, beginning at 5 p.m., you can uh, join the gang, of course, with their predictions. And also maybe some bets being made, too. However, the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view will be getting underway, however, this coming Sunday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the action begins at 8 p.m. bell time from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. But if you're in the Dallas area, however, we'd love to hear from you and give you your thoughts on the show. But if not, we'd love to hear your thoughts here on TalkShoe, however, and also in the chat box, if you will, as we will be talking about what should be a very unique matchup, however, or should I say show, this coming Sunday. Of course, the big matchup everyone is still talking about, obviously, is Brock Lesnar versus Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, anything else, Sir J.D.? Nope, that's all we got. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Sir, my apologies for the delay. Thank you very much, sir. Sir, uh, the Iceman, Jared DiGiromo, along with King W.O.J.R.T. Smith, is King Ice, your 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team. They bring all the news that's fit to print each and every night here in the WWS Radio Network. <clears throat> of course, if it doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. Of course, in GTS's case, uh, it's always the, old, the old-fashioned method, which always works fine for us, which is super glue and duct tape. Cannot beat that old-fashioned combination. That sounds like a pretty good... I, I like that. I'm doing a cheap club. <laughs> I love that. Hey, but you know, it works for us. There you go. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and proceed to the recent history and birthdays here. Uh, the human suplex machine, John Gross, has been has been, ty- has been typing away at the keyboard. The keyboard's almost on fire. So <laughs> we'll have to double-check make sure his keyboard's still working after all of this. Uh, but he's got some pretty interesting stuff here in the uh, wrestling history and birthdays here for tonight, the day after the 4th, of course, July 5th. Let's see what he has on tap. I'm sure Gerard and Gerard's case would be beer, but I mean, we need to have some here for Gerard when he pops on, by the way, so we'll have that ready for him here in a minute. Uh, some GTS wisers. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Uh, here we go for the history and birthdays for July the 5th. And this is one of the oldest ones we've had here. 102 years ago today, which would put it, it looks like, 1915, I do believe that would be the year, in Omaha, Nebraska, Joe Stetcher defeats Charlie Cutler to win the world heavyweight title. That is old. Yes. Uh, 31 years ago today, would put it, of course, at 1986, WrestleMania II aired in its entirety on, a cable, on, the, on the cable network Showtime. Now, that I did not know. I did not know that. It is, believed, it is believed to be the last time a WrestleMania aired in full on a paid cable network. Very interesting indeed. Of course, WrestleMania 2 was very historic for several different reasons, I think. Uh, other than, I think this, I think, of course, I'm sure, J.D., you would agree that the only other thing that WrestleMania 2 was famous for, they aired it in three different arenas. Yes, Los Angeles, Chicago, and uh, New York, and also had the infamous steel cage match with Hogan and Bundy, which had a, quite a bit of celebrities. We had WrestleMania 2 full of celebrities, including Joan Rivers, Herb, G. Gordon Liddy, Tommy the Sorter, Ricky Schroeder, Robert Conrad, Ozzy Osbourne, and others. Daryl Dawkins, I think, was... Yes, Dawkins was, was there, yeah. 
Uh, also, Lou Duva, the late Lou Duva, was Roddy Piper's manager, remember, and that uh, Joe Frazier was in that, if you remember. So a lot of people uh, definitely made an impact at WrestleMania too. And, of course, the, re- the infamous battle royal between the WWF and the NFL, which Andre the Giant won that match yes. proudly. And, of course, uh, several big-time incidents took place, including between, uh, who was it, Big John Studd and Refrigerator Perry. I yes. remember Bill Freilich was one little piece of Big John there, too, for a little yes. while. <laughs> there, was a lot, there was a lot of big names in the NFL uh, WWE battle royal, if you remember. Russ Francis, Ernie Holmes, formerly of the Steelers, uh, Harvey Martin, Ed Tutal Jones, a couple others. Yeah, Tutal Jones and Dick Buckus were like outside officials. Yes, mistaken. that's right. Dick Buckus was the outside enforcer. That's right, yes. Yeah, Dick Buckus is still the man in my person, man. One of the toughest men in oh, One of the meanest son of a bitch. Does he ever run across him and Ray Nitschke? But uh, we also, like I said, had the infamous uh, tag match, uh, the dream team of Valentine Beefcake with Johnny Valiant, a uh, good friend of my father's and I met him a long time ago, way long time ago, I should say, Johnny B, uh, taking on Captain Lou and the Bulldogs of Ozzy Osbourne in their corner. And, of course, we all know Ozzy saying, the best Bulldogs will live forever! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Ozzy was wild. And, of course, that wildness kind of kind of transmitted through the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs were able to get by the dream team to pull off the win and get the tag belts. So I thought it was... That was actually one of the better matches in Chicago because, I mean, you think about it, you had the women's match, the Battle Royal, and like I said, uh, New York had uh, Morocco and Orndorff. And go figure, Orndorff goes from being in the main event at the first WrestleMania only the year before to the opening curtain jerk match at Nassau Coliseum. And then Hogan repeats in the main event the following year, however, by taking on King Kong Bundy and Bobby Heen. That's when he threw Bobby into the cage, if you remember. One quick thing before going to the rest of the history, I thought for a couple minutes that there was two or three occasions that Jesse Ventura interviewed Hulk Hogan. I could have sworn man, that Hogan wanted to punch Ventura right there. He but, did. He asked, I remember Jesse did an interview about a couple years back, I think, with Wade Keller or somebody a long time ago, and he says that him and Hogan on camera as well as off camera at times, however, Whenever he saw Hogan, never really got along. They were never the best of friends, and that goes back even to their days in AWA because they never really liked each other. Oh my goodness! Well, I tell you, like I said, WrestleMania two was like I said. You know, keep in mind the beginning here, the only the second one to ever appear, and all that. And like I said, I mean, you have to admit though, I mean, the first several didn't did make some history. Um, so. Well, That's well, well, yeah, well, I mean, they did change history. I mean, the first one, obviously, being in the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, because you had Mr. T and some of the big names, Cindy Lauper, and, of course, the other ones, like the Barachi, Billy Martin, and all those guys. Two, of course, kind of did more of the celebrity factor, but in the third one, of course, the one that everyone still talks about to this day, of course, was the big epic showdown of showdowns. I mean, they faced each other once before, and that was yeah. when Hogan first began his early career, and, of course... That was when he took on the big monster known as Andre the Giant. Indeed. I'd say that was, was some great moments. Great moments. I mean, and we're glad that we get an opportunity. You know, if you have tapes or DVDs, I mean, it's, good. it's always, you always have. Always well, I have three, the only volume, I have three volumes of the WrestleMania trilogy. I have one through five, six through ten, and then uh, I have the fourth volume, but I do not have 11 through 15. I do have 16 through 20, though. 
Those are the uh, I think I got the whole set. So, so, uh, that's a big in fact, I might have to watch WrestleMania 1 again. Huh? I've watched it so many times. Huh? I mean, I think the DVD has not even uh, blown up yet. The, the disc is about worn, I guess you can say. Yeah, I mean, I do that time. I wear the tape. I wear tapes out in my VCR sometimes. Yeah, I wear some on my DVD players sometimes the same way. Yeah, I know. I almost want to frame these things that you did your job well. Now it's time for you to retire. <laughs> well, I told John, like I said, after I talked to you guys last night, I was going to watch it. I didn't get around to watching it. I I fell asleep too early. However, like after we closed the shop up early last night, but. Hopefully this weekend at some point, or in the next few days, I'm going to try to catch up and watching the new uh, KO DVD and definitely the Rollins DVD. My friend's already watched the Rollins DVD. He says it's good, but he called me today, and he said he watched the KO DVD last night, a little bit after SmackDown 2, and he left a message this afternoon and said, you've got to watch it. It's pretty good. Well, I'd love to hear some more here, so thank you very much, J.D., for that trip down memory lane, as they always say. Let's see what else we got on tap right here. 25 years ago today, of course, 1992, yes, in Atlanta, Georgia, the Miracle Violence Connection defeated the Steiner Brothers to win the WCW Tag Team titles. And at the same event, Brad Armstrong defeated Scotty Flamingo to win the WCW Light Heavyweight title. Armstrong will be the title as a knee injury sidelined him following a match with the Great Muda in Sapporo, Japan, a few weeks later. And Armstrong was stripped of the title in September. Though the tournament wasn't the work for crowning a new champion, the tournament never took place, and the title was abandoned just 11 months after it was commissioned. So I guess this kind of made way for the um, what would become the cruiserweight belt, I believe. Yeah, and what's funny about the Miracle Violence Connection, I mean, they were a great team of Gordy and Dr. Death, however, they were also big. I mean, they were kind of big here in the States, however, a little bit, but they were more big and famous in Japan. Oh, oh yes, I did hear about them, indeed, indeed. But uh, great, two great competitors that we, two more that we do have to reminisce about each and every time, and they two great. Well, Gordy was too young when he died; he was only forty, and Doctor Death was only forty-nine when he passed away. And like I said, I am one of the few people on the Doctor Death bandwagon. I've been a fan of his. I mean, for so long, and going back to UWF. I mean, he's a great wrestler. I mean, he's a four-time All-American in OU in football and wrestling. However, and uh, he was one of the toughest. Uh, and one of the sweetest guys, but he was also a tough hombre in the ring. Oh, yes, he was. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I remember, uh, of course, you remember the Horseman DVD. They showed the Great American, the War Games of the Great American Battle. Yeah, when he was in there, yep, in the War Games DVD, yep. Mm-hmm. When he, I think he teamed up with the Road Warriors. I think he was with Dusty and I think Nikita, if I remember. Right. Yeah. The match I'm thinking about was, was the, the Horseman at the time consisted of a player, double A, Tully. Barry Windham and JJ Dillon. Yeah, I was and also, it, and there was one I think I think Doc was on the team with Luger at the time because Luger had just left the Horsemen. They ditched him and he joined up with Luger and the Road Warriors and Nikita or Dusty. If I remember, I think I know what we were talking about. Yeah. Right, because it was because it was they were against a team of of uh, Dusty, uh, Luger, like I said, Doctor Death, Nikita mm-hmm. Koloff. I think Paul Ellering was in that too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great. Yes, it was. Well, that was brutal. You know, it's it and you know, WWE's been talking about bringing, they've been talking about bringing back like Halloween Havoc and Starcade, and I mean that's one DVD. I mean they, I know they got to bring back. I mean they should bring back War Games for one night. Do it, please. Yes, yeah. 
I mean, the only WCW pay-per-view, the only the WCW pay-per-view name that they've used in recent memory, to my knowledge, is the Great American Bash. Shorten it to just the Bash, but but I mean, I don't think you know you need to, you know, if you start running out of names to call your own pay-per-views, I mean, what what you gonna do now? Are you gonna start being actually using? Ideas based on pay-per-views of the past. I mean, it's not going to have the same flair and integrity that that that, that was underneath when they were under the WCW or ECW or whatever organization's flag. Because the thing about it, they're not being run by that company. WWE has them, and they're going to be watered down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing about it is, I mean, I'm surprised that Dusty. You know, I'm, I don't even that he had a hand in when they were when they brought the the, bat, the Great American Bash back, but they did it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he even competed in a match against Orton. I think it was a bull rope match or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, I mean, if you're going to do that, though, I mean, play it smart. Put put some put put some matches in it worthy of of this pay per view being called, you know, so and so. But don't don't water it down. No, I mean, I please don't no, don't. I mean, I mean, you water down ECW. For crying out loud, how long did that last? What, two years? Two, two and a half, three years, something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you did that to an organization. Don't do it to the name of a pay per view from a pat from from something like uh, um, WCW. I mean, WCW probably would would have a a list they could use. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be some out that they do ECW match, but they're going to be crazy. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe something like super, like something like what was it, super clash, the AWA. Yeah, had. yeah super clash, super brawl. I mean, from the NWA. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking about. I mean, but this doesn't have it won't have the same flair though. Well, I know I mean, that. Well, WWE can't do obviously is the thing is obviously they got Hell in a Cell, so they can't do Halloween Havoc. But if they if they tried the Bash Brawl, if they want, like I said, if they want to do War Games, try that. But also try Starcade even for once. Give it Starcade one night. Give Starcade its name value for at least one night. But I mean, make it more kind of like it yeah. was back in the day. I mean, it was for 17 years the granddaddy of them all. That's what started the pay per view genre. Right. I mean, the thing about it is, you no. Know, thing about it is, you know, when would when do you do do you do it like how they did it before? Do you, do you do it right around the end of the year? I mean, maybe. Good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they did with. They started when in November, and they moved it to December. Right, because they were tough so, going up man. against Survivor Series and everything. That's why. Yeah, exactly. That, that's I'll, be, exactly I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. All right. While you go, uh, JD's uh, stepped away. I'll go ahead and read uh, read read some more here on our. Of course, the last kicker, Anne Marie Rickenbach, is now joining us on the on the um, live video feed at GFWUS. Uh, we do welcome Anne here. Of course, it's for fifty-seven of Revolution. Let's see what else we have right here on the ta- on tap right here. Twenty three years ago today, which would put it at nineteen ninety four, the jury selection began in the Vince McMahon federal scandal trial. McMahon was indicted in November of nineteen ninety three on two counts of conspiracy to distribute steroid use came Zahorian, who was working for the Pennsylvania. State Athletic Commission is convicted on 12 and selling steroids in 1991. So Orion was the first man convicted after stricter regulations took effect in 1988. 
The ruling stated that if a man was convicted, he could spend 11 years in prison and also a $1.5 million fine. The recap of the first statement was presented in the New York Times, and John has that right here. In his opening statement, the prosecutor, Sean O'Shea, said that steroids were distributed, in quotation marks, like candy to World Wrestling Federation performers by Dr. George T. Zahorian, a Harrisburg, Pennsylvania doctor. Dr. Zahorian obtained the drugs from the Rugby Derby Pharmaceutical Company of Westbury, Long Island. Mr. O'Shea said, added that Mr. McMahon and Titan Sports employees then engaged in an elaborate money laundering scheme to hide the purchases they made from Dr. Zahorian. Dr. Zahorian was convicted in 1991 of illegally distributing steroids to professional wrestlers. He was some access to grind. But lawyers for Titan Sports and Mr. McMahon contended that the company had nothing to do with the purchase of steroids by Dr. Zahorian. His distribution of them or the wrestler's decision to use them. Laura A. Brevetti, a lawyer for Mr. McMahon, said in her opening remarks to the jury, you will not hear of shady figures on street corners or that there were children or teenagers involved. Gary S. McDevitt, the lawyer for Titan Sports, said that, said that besides Dr. Zahorian's legitimate purchase of steroids from the Long Island drug wholesaler, the case was not connected with the United States District Court, Eastern District of New York, because the steroid sales to the wrestlers occurred in Pennsylvania and that anyway, Titan Sports did not act improperly. He also said that former Federation wrestlers scheduled to testify for the prosecution, quotation marks, have access to grind against Mr. McMahon. Mr. O'Shea, the prosecutor, said Mr. McMahon urged and cajoled wrestlers to take steroids so they would have the muscular look that would appeal to audiences. But Ms. Brevetti said that Mr. McMahon simply required that his, simply required that his wrestlers be in shape, steroids or no steroids. Besides Dr. Zahorian, the government will call the wrestling superstar Hulk Hogan, of course his real name is Terry Jean Balea, for whom prosecutors say <clears throat> Mr. McMahon specifically obtained steroids. Mr. Hogan now wrestles for a rival organization, Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling Promotions. Other witnesses to be called by the prosecution will include Doug Sages, Chief Financial Officer of Titan Sports, and Emily Feinberg, Mr. McMahon's former executive assistant, who will detail initiations, the prosecutors say, at Titan Sports, testifying of drug sales. Mr. McMahon, who underwent surgery last month for a herniated disc, sat in court listening to testimony wearing a heavy neck brace. Also looking on was a mix of reporters, girlfriends of testifying wrestlers, and the curious one wrestler, off of the wild Samoan, came, in, came by for support. After opening statements, the prosecution called two wrestlers who had brief careers in the World Wrestling Federation, Randy Colley, who was Moondog Rex, and Thomas Zink. Oh, Tom Zink. Oh, okay. Both testified that Dr. Zahorian, who had been hired by the Pennsylvania Athletic Commission to examine wrestlers, regularly sold the wrestler steroids at shows in Hershey, Pennsylvania. You took off your shirt, he examined you, and you left with a bag of drugs if you pay for them. Mr. Zink testified this, but he said he never bought steroids from Dr. Zahorian. Under cross-examination, both wrestlers said that Mr. McMahon had not bought steroids for them or instructed them to take the drugs. The trial would last for two weeks. Among those that took the stand during the trial was Hulk Hogan, who had signed for WCW, and Kevin 
Blackholz, that's how you pronounce it, who had a brief stint with the company as Nails. Uh, Nails admitted under oath that he hated Vince McMahon. He still held a grudge from McMahon, giving him $8,000 for his match at Somerset 1992 when Nails took on Virgil. Kevin later assaulted McMahon, and he was fired. Nails was painted as a bitter ex-employee and may have played a part in McMahon ultimately being acquitted on all charges later in the month. At the time, McMahon commentated WWF's Rawls and interviews during the trial, but after the trial was over, he began resuming commentating duties. 18 years, and, and, that's, and that's pretty much it for that uh, story. 18 years ago today, put it at 1999, WCW presented Nitro from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. With 25,330 in attendance and only about 19,500 actually actually paid in the show's main event, WCW champion Kevin Nash defeated Sid Vicious by DQ. Also on that same show, Scott Steiner is stripped of the WCW United States Championship and is awarded to David Flair. This was the last wrestling event at the Georgia Dome until WrestleMania 27. The show featured a performance by Megadeth and the return of Goldberg, who took time off television since taking on Sting and Slamboree. The show's finish inspired the Botchamanian Amy Send for the Man. The surprising return of Goldberg does little to turn the tide in the Monday Night Wars. That week's fall was headlined by The Rock beating Triple H in a steel cage match, and the Hardy Boys defeating the Acolytes to win the WWF Tag Team titles. Raw beat Nitro soundly 6.2 to 3.3. Oh, indeed. 13 years ago today, put it at 2004, on Raw in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Eugene took over for one night as the general manager as he hosted musical chairs and at the window would get the opportunity for a title shot. The competitors of the game was Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, Tyson Tomko, Jerry Lawler, Tajiri, the coach, and Stacey Keebler. Chris Jericho wound up winning the challenge and was awarded an Intercontinental title match against Randy Orton, in where Jericho lost with interference from Batista. Five years ago today, which we put it at 2012, Kenny King headlined a group of wrestlers making their teammate debut in an attempt to rebuild the X Division. King at the time was one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, as appearance on Impact gets him in hot water and also gets him fired by Ring of Honor. And we have some, and we have some uh, birthdays uh, here. Uh, 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 we have some birthdays here today. First off, uh, J.C. Ice. I'm not sure who that is. Um, turns 46 years old today. Hillbilly Jim turns 65 today. Man, and. And, of course, uh, as our good friend GTS always mentions, Adam Cole, baby. I can't do that. Adam Cole turns 28 years old. And John's got a bonus piece of history here one year ago today, putting it at 2016. TNA presented the first ever, final, first ever match, the final deletion between both Matt and Jeff Hardy in where Matt won. And John said that he, that's all he's got for the history and birthday center for today. And he's also got a little bit of news as well. Uh, he's a, I'll, I'll, I hope he's trying not to take your job there, J.D. <laughs> WWE 2K18 will feature eight-man tag team matches as well. 
it'll be a lot of eight man and one and woman features. Hmm. Well, to watch out for this game when it comes out here this fall. Thank you very much, Sir John. We'll bring us your wrestling, uh, wrestling history and birthdays here for tonight. And also, JD, thank you very much for bringing the wrestling news and views here for this evening. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. This is episode number three hundred and fifty seven of the Mothership Broadcast WWF Revolution. Of course. Tonight, today is uh, Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. I'm, of course, once again, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you alongside the Iceman, J.D. Jerry DiGirolamo, a 2015-17 Hall of Famer, and the human suplex machine, John Gross, supports the first 2016 Hall of Famer. <clears throat> Both, of course, part of the Raw Radio broadcast team. Of course, Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. And also, of course, in the live uh, in the live video feed from GFWUS Global Phenom, another 2016 uh, WWS Hall of Famer, the last kicker herself, Miss Anne Marie Rickenbach, has also joined us as well. Well, next up here, folks. So, of course, as always, you know, as you do every single Wednesday night, we will definitely talk about what is what uh, took place last night on uh, SmackDown Live, and there was there was plenty to talk about about last night's SmackDown. Well, let's go ahead and get things rolling here. Uh, J.D., if you have anything you'd like to go ahead and add, go ahead and do something, man. J.D., are you still with us? Are you back on? Okay, I think he had to step away for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, so we'll come back to J.D. here momentarily. And let's go ahead and read what John has to say here for his wrestling, for his review of SmackDown. Uh, John says, let's, 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 let's get him onto his SmackDown review. If John Cena making his return only for somebody else to interrupt Cena to make his return, and of course that was Rusev. So Cena challenged Rusev to a flag match. The one thing, and John will agree with Rusev though, Rusev said that USA is a joke. John says he likes the USA, but Rusev is right about a little bit of the USA because Donald Trump is the president, but John said he will not address that part of it. But Cena said, Cena still cut a passionate promo about America. Although John Cena is not my type of good guy, he's very patriotic about the United States. And to be honest, Cena and Rusev could have had that flag match last night, but Rusev and Cena are going to go at it at Battleground. That's going to be a very good match indeed. Also, Cena has announced that he will be that he'll be a free agent, meaning that he can do what he wants go on both shows, but it's not going to be bad. If Cena can do what he wants, I mean, if you're a free agent just like Keith Slater was last week, you can do what you want. John also goes on to say glad he was glad that James Ellsworth was set straight. Finally, Daniel Bryan did something right about this. Suspending Ellsworth was probably good. What else John has to say about this here, ladies and gentlemen? We're we'll doing our review of last night's SmackDown Live. For business. Group of business because of Ellsworth did not comply with it. Carmella was going to be stripped again of her money in the bank briefcase. And of course, the quick match between Naomi and Lana for the SmackDown Women's title. Naomi retains, and what is the pairing between Lana and Tamina? Very interesting indeed.
Then, then of course, we get into the rat battle. It was totally a, a funny one. The Usos totally ripped onto Xavier Woods, and God says he got what they were talking about. Because of the whole Brad Maddox page Xavier Woods scandal last spring. Oh, okay, bringing that up. And finally, the Battle Royal, AJ wins the Battle Royal and is in the running to face Kevin Owens for the U.S. title. Should be a good match. It can be on a countdown or, or DQ like last time. John believes that Styles versus Owens is the perfect feud for SmackDown. Yeah, it's, it's, that's not bad. It's not, that's a good, good point there, John. John said he would watch these guys go out at, at every pay-per-view and also on every SmackDown. Very interesting. And John said that's all he's got for his review of SmackDown. Thank you very much, sir, John. Let's see if JD's made it back on. JD, are you back with us, sir? J.D., are you back with us? Yeah, back in a sec. Okay, all right, there you go, okay. Uh, J.D., if you want to go ahead, sir, we've got John's review of SmackDown, and let's go ahead and hear what you have to say about that. Well, let's just say SmackDown was a little interesting last night, however, from the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, Arizona. We'll tell you what happened, however. Of course, we had John Cena, Super Cena, Mr. Everyone's Mr. Hustle, Loyalty, and Respect return, however, to the show, however if you will, however. And as a result, we saw a match announced that Cena and Rusev will go at it in a flag match at Battleground. I am so excited. You can tell by the tone of my voice. Of course, AJ Styles, of course, uh, competed to see if he would be able to be involved in the Independence State Battle World. I don't know why they had to have him have a warm-up against Chad Gable However, prior to this, however. Mind you, and then of course later in the night he would end up winning the spot. However, I thought it was kind of stupid, if you ask me. However, mind you, so uh, there you go. Uh, having said that, mind you, it was interesting to see that match happen. However, referring to Gable and AJ, but you talk about American Alpha, they're just absolutely crapping all over them. I don't know why they continue to waste them. If you ask me, it's just not worth the time and energy of having them on TV. If you're going to crap all over them like you are right now, either put them over on Raw, however, and give them something to do with, however, or at least give them something better to do, because right now they're not doing anything by just staying on uh, SmackDown at all, however. Like I said, of course, you then had John Cena and Rusev being announced, however, for uh, Battleground, of course, 
And, of course, it looks like now they're setting up something possibly with maybe, however, uh, possibly Naomi, or not Naomi, uh, you have uh, Maria and Mike versus Sami Zayn, however, at uh, Battleground as well, as the Miracle will be taking on Sami, as once again, apparently Sami made his uh, intentions known to the love-struck couple, if you will. Speaking of love-struck couples, however, let's talk about the nerd and the hosky herself, Carmella and the nerd boy, Mr. Ellsworth. It was good to, I mean, Gerard and I had a discussion about this earlier tonight in debate, however, it's understandable, however. But you know, however, I think it was the right call to put him in his place and suspend him for 30 days and being fined that amount. I mean, I know it's part of the show, however, maybe, and Gerard said this earlier, and he'll probably tell you when he comes on, however, that maybe he had to do something with the wellness violation policy. Maybe that's why he's sitting out these 30 days. Maybe he got into trouble, however, outside of TV that we don't know about yet. But if not, however, and he's serving 30 days, however, because of what he's done, however, by disobeying Daniel Bryan, then good for him. He deserves to be suspended. But if not, however, and it's just a rules violation, then that's good too, I guess, because we don't need to put up with that little pipsqueak nerd for at least 30 days. At least hopefully we don't. Getting to the rap battle, however, this was absolutely a waste. This was beyond a waste of time, if you ask me. I don't know why they even had to have this on. And then, of course, you took a cheap shot at Paige during this whole thing. I'm surprised they allowed this to even make air, however. I think they ought to be embarrassed for what they did by doing this last night. This was just absolutely a waste of time and just hokey beyond words to even describe. Uh, from there, we uh, saw what happened with Randy Orton and Aiden English, which didn't last very long. And, of course, who should show up? But, once again, the jackass himself, the world's champion, and his old bitch boys, the Singh brothers, Jinder the Joker Mahal, of course, and his entourage, if you will. Now, the thing I did like about this is when he called Jinder a jackass. I thought that was pretty good. But uh, they showed uh, Tyler... Dillinger walk in the back, and who should show up but Fandango? And, of course, uh, mind you, however, the fashion police uh, were dressed up in costume once again, as Tyler Breeze called himself this week, Teeny Young, however. Mocking Renee Young, if you will. I thought that was a little hokey, if you ask me. Uh, but, yeah, all in all this week, however, they uh, kind of dropped the ball, if you ask me, in a lot of ways. The only bright spot was AJ winning, if you ask me. Uh, I was not real excited to see Cena Rusev return to my television this week at all. I think it's ridiculous that we're going to have another match with these two in a flag match this time. This is just a waste, if you ask me. And uh, the only other match that they've already hyped up, obviously, for, uh, what was I going to say, for the uh, pay-per-view, however, mind you, however, uh, obviously is going to be the same as the uh, matchup involving uh, Jinder and Randy. But all in all, Hopefully next week they pick it up, but this week, however, I think uh, both shows totally dropped the ball, if you ask me. Okay, all right. Thank you very much there, uh, J.D. Of course, John, thank you very much for your for your thoughts on uh, on what took place here on uh, SmackDown here last night. Let's go ahead and take care of this one more time here, ladies and gentlemen. 1724-444-7444, call ID 138055-POUND. This is episode 357 of the Mothership Broadcast, WWS Revolution. It is, of course, uh, Wednesday, July 5th, 2017. Once again, I am Mr. WWS, Chad Hinshaw, back on the line, alongside, of course, our Raw Radio broadcast team. 
2015-17 Hall of Famer, the Iceman, J.D. Jared DiGiolamo, and the first 2016 Hall of Famer, the Human Success Machine, John Gross. Of course, both, as I said, J.D. and John are both part of WCBS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here right here on TalkShoe.com. Uh, the last kicker, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, was on, but she had to leave us, so we do thank her for popping on here and uh, saying hello here for just a brief moment. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, all in all, like I said, uh, so far here, great reviews all the way here. And we are we still have an hour to go here, ladies and gentlemen, before we call it an evening. So uh, let me see here, see what we can, uh, let's see what we can, uh, like I said, find. And while I'm looking for something, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, of course, the rest of our lineup here for tomorrow and uh, for tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday, as well as Sunday. Uh, of course, tomorrow will be uh, will no doubt be, uh, of course, a great uh, double dose uh, double dose evening. Of course, first off, we'll start with Call ID 14562 pound. As excuse me, King Ice will definitely be healing it up here with some big time wrestling discussion. Of course, no doubt talking about Raw, talking about SmackDown. Uh, no doubt talking about uh, uh, the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, and a bunch of other little things here as well. But going over Top Hill Heat this, uh, of course, tomorrow night from 7 to 8, of course, 140562 pound. <clears throat> and, of course, the second installment, NWO Wolfpack, of course, 138521 pound. Of course, as usual, our wrestling news and views, our history and birthdays. Uh, and, of course, uh, we will be uh, doing our live video feed from one of our from one of our uh, one of our friends of WWS, of course, it is Hell in a Form Wrestling Discussion, is uh, where we'll be streaming the live video feed from uh, <clears throat> uh, tomorrow night uh, for Wolfpack. Of course, be sure to join us for that one three eight five two one pound. And of course, this Friday, ladies and gentlemen, will be a special double dose once again, as of course, once again, we had to preempt episode number sixty of WWS Outside the Ropes. It will be now on. It will be. It will be, of course, this Friday. This Friday afternoon, or Friday evening, from seven to eight, right here on TalkShoe.com. Is myself and the Iceman bringing you the latest pop culture, pop culture uh, headlines, of course, on more of the movies, music, sports, uh, politics, you name it. We'll talk about it, and of course, we'll put JD in that hot seat for the movie trivia challenge. Of course, call ID one four one three eight seven pound. Be sure to join us for that. Of course, uh, the Friday edition of Revolution from 9 to 11. Of course, call ID 138055-POUND. And also, <clears throat> our live video feed from that will be coming from Heaven Wrestling Federation. Of course, as we always do, we bring you the wrestling news and views and history and birthdays, as well as, of course, <clears throat> uh, some wrestling extras coming your way as well. Of course, this Saturday afternoon from uh, at 4 o'clock, of course, we'll be bringing you WWUS Power Hour. As of course, uh, myself and uh, either myself and Key and W.O. or myself and the Iceman will be bringing you, of course, <clears throat> um, of course, a review of all the shows that we did here this week in the radio network. Plus, we'll be bringing you some wrestling history from this for this coming Saturday, as well as, of course, uh, the number of downloads according to TalkShoe.com of each of our shows here for this week. So be sure to join us for Power Hour this Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. Call ID one four one three six four pound. And also, ladies and gentlemen, this Sunday evening at 5 p.m., of course, will be a special edition of Revolution, 138055-pound. will be, of course, our prediction show for WWE Great Balls of Fire 2017, giving you our thoughts and opinions on each of the matches. Uh, and, of course, uh, 
<clears throat> I know there might be a couple of bets made here and there. Uh, of course, of course, as always, we always do our live video feed. We'll be coming from WCWUS Network News. So be sure to join us here for the special edition of Revolution this Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. for our prediction show for Great Balls of Fire 2017. Don't you dare miss out on that. So let's go ahead and see what we have right here in terms of... Uh, uh, I guess, of course, we can do some less trivia here. So I think we find some uh, find some maneuvers right here. Let's see what we've got. Uh, uh, hmm. Uh, okay. Hmm. Uh, well, let's see here. Mm. Let's see. Uh, JD, how's your how's your knowledge of the NWA? Pretty good, actually. Well, we got well. Here's a good one. Here, there's some now. There's some tough questions here. Uh, Twenty questions about the Crockett era of the NWA. Sounds good. I'll give it a shot. Okay, John, are you are you in as well? Uh, he may have probably stepped away. I don't, he said he had to. He said he was hearing fireworks around his area, so he had to go check that out. I don't know if he's gotten back on here or not. Uh, I'll go ahead and start it, and like I said, we'll uh, I'll bring John into it here. We'll double. I'll keep checking with him, make sure he's back on. But we'll go ahead and get it started right here. We've now, now come up on the ten o'clock hour. Uh, of course, the original NWA had a great NWA had a great run from nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty eight, while being owned by the legendary Crockett family and Dusty Rhodes serving as head Booker. This quiz will test your savvy of that period. Okay, so let's not be interesting here, JD. Let's go ahead and give her a shot and see how well you know. Let's, let's test that mind right here. Question number one. In the summer of 1985, Jim Cornette brought his legendary duo, the Midnight Express, to the NWA. By the spring of 1987, Mama Cornette, who was never seen, had identified Dennis Condry as a weak link. Which veteran tag team grappler took his place as Bobby Eaton's partner? Was it Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers, Stan Lane, or Steve Kern? Stan Lane. Stan, Stan Lane. Okay. Question number two. In 1986, infamous NWA manager Paul Jones began to carry a riding crop, donned a military uniform, and referred to his stable of wrestlers as the Paul Jones Army. Which of the following superstars was never, I repeat the word never, a member of the Paul, jo- Paul Jones Army. Was it the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Mad Dog, Buzz Sawyer, the Russian Bear, Ivan Koloff, or Conga the Barbarian? Conga the Barbarian, Ivan Koloff, Manny Fernandez. And who was the second one you said? It, then I'll repeat all four here for you. The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Mad Dog, Buzz Sawyer, the Russian Mad Bear, Mad Dog, Buzz Sawyer. Or Conga the Barbarian, you said Mad, Mad Dog. Okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Question number three. In, in early 1985, 
Ivan and Nikita Koloff joined forces with another wrestler to make a formidable three-man team. This wrestler was not a Russian, but actually an American who embraced the communist way of life. Who was the American traitor who joined the Koloffs? Was it Soldat Ustinov, Nikolai Volkov, Alexis Smirnov, or Crusher Khrushchev? Khrushchev. Then Khrushchev, okay. In the spring of 19... I mean, I'm not sorry, question number four, excuse me. In the spring of 1986, Ronnie Garvin had his hand broke when he was attacked by Tully Blanchard and his four horsemen cohorts. Garvin could only compete if he had his injured hand heavily wrapped in tape. During the 1986 Great American Bash Tour, Garvin faced his rival Tully in which type of gimmick match? Was it a tough man match, a taped fist match, a last man standing match, or a bare knuckle brawl? Tape fist. Question number five. Okay, John's back on, so I will bring him back in for question number five. One of the most, one of the more popular tag teams in wrestling during the mid 1980s was Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, also known as the Rock and Roll Express. From 1985 to 1987, they won the NWA tag team titles four times. Which of the following four teams did Morton and Gibson not lose the belts to? Was it the Midnight Express, Ole and Arn Anderson, the Coloss? Or Manny Fernandez and Rick Rude. Manny Fernandez and Rick Rude. Okay, John. John's also saying the same as well. Manny and Rick. Okay. Question number six. One of the highlights of this time period was the annual, annual Great American Bash Tour, which actually was a series of shows during the month of July. On July 11, 1987, two shows were run at two separate venues. On one show, Lex Luger defeated Nikita Koloff to win the U.S. heavyweight title. What title change occurred on the same evening at the other Bash show? Was it A, Ronnie Garvin defeated Ric Flair for the NWA heavyweight belt? B, Steve Williams defeated Big Bubba Rogers for the UWF heavyweight title. C, Sting defeated Terry Taylor for the UWF TV title. Or D, Midnight Express defeated Rock and Roll Express for the NWA tag team titles. JG? Dr. Death versus uh, Big Bubba for the UWF strap. Okay. Uh, and, and, and John Sings, ooh, okay. Uh, John is saying Ronnie Garvin defeated Ric Flair. All right, so now we're going to do it this way here. Pick a number between 1 and 10, J.D. 6. 6. And John? Yeah. Excuse me. What Cherry Cook would do to you. Yeah, be careful with it. J.D., this time you hit a round of the money. It was, in fact, six. So, so we're going with, you said, Steve Williams defeated Big Bo Rogers for the UWF heavyweight belt. Okay. Question number seven. During this time period, the legendary American Dwayne, if you will, Dusty Rhodes, served as the booker. This is who, this is the who man. This is who the, this is the man that makes the matches and comes up with the angles. In addition to having great feuds and finding young talents, 
Rhodes also popularized a certain finish to a bout. What was this ending called? Was it A, the Montreal Screwjob, B, the Madman Finish, C, the Chaos Effect, or D, the Dusty Finish? JD. The Dusty Finish. Dusty Finish, okay. And John? John is also saying the best defense. Question number eight. During the spring of 1987, NWA heavyweight champion Ric Flair faced one of his toughest challengers to date. This very talented young wrestler had a thrilling series of matches with Flair. In fact, they often fought the 60-minute draws. Who was this young lion who never did beat Flair? Was it Nikita Koloff, Lex Luger, Barry Windham, or Sting? J.D. What was the question again? Sorry. During the spring of 1987, NWA heavyweight champion Ric Flair faced one of his toughest challengers to date. This very talented young wrestler had a thrilling series of matches with Flair. In fact, they also fought the 60-minute draws. Who was this young lion who never did beat Flair? Did you say Barry Windham was one of them? Yes. Yes, I'll say Barry Windham. You're saying Windham. Okay, also you got Koloff, Luger, and Sting, but you'll say Wyndham, okay. Uh, John? John also saying Barry Wyndham, okay. Question number nine. For over two years, Paul Jones and his army waged war with perennial fan favorite Jimmy Valiant. These men competed in just about every gimmick match, including the famous hair versus hair match. Which of the following never had, which of the following superstars never had his head shaved during this feud? Was it Paul Jones, Jessica Watley, Jimmy Valiant, or Manny Fernandez? JD. Jimmy Valiant. Jimmy Valiant. Okay, John. John also Bear with Jimmy. me, though. There is some thunder coming up this way right now, too. Okay, no problem. We'll, 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 we, will, we will listen and we will be very, very cautious here. Thank you for that update there, J.D. <clears throat> Question number 10. We're halfway there right now. One of the all-time greatest matches took place at Starcade 85 when rising star Magnum T.A. defeated Tully Blanchard in the night quit steel cage match to regain the U.S. heavyweight title. What object did Magnum grind into Tully's head to get a submission? Was it a shard of glass, a pencil, a metal fork, or a broken chair leg, J.D.? Broken chair leg, one of my favorite matches of all time. Okay. Uh, John, J.D. says the broken chair leg. What do you say? John's also saying it through a broken chair leg. Okay. Question number 11. For three years, beginning in 1986, the prestigious Crockett Cup paid homage, homage to the legendary Jim Crockett Sr. who passed in 1973. Which of the following teams never won the Cup in its three-year existence? Was it the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll Express, Nikita Koloff and Dusty Rhodes, or Lex Luger and Sting, J.D.? I'm going to say... The Rock and Roll Express never won. 
Never won the cup during his three-year existence. Yeah, they never won it. During... You're, saying, uh, you're, saying, you're, saying, yeah. you're saying the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Okay. All right, John. And John says the Road Warriors. No, John, uh, the Road Warriors did win. I know that for a fact. They they met, I think, Luger and Sting one year to take the trophy. I think that was in the Superdome. It was in 86, I want to say. Okay. All right, let me see here. John, uh, based on what J.D. just said, do you want to still stay with your answer? Or do you want to change it? He's going to change it. And where are you going to change it to, John? Now he's changing it to Luger and Sting. Okay, so I guess we'll we'll have to do this right here. JD between one and ten. Seven. Seven. John. You said seven, JD. Yeah. Okay. And John says four. But. JD pulls it off again. It's, it is actually nine. So Rural said the Rock and Roll Express. You know, it's not the first time. Yeah. I think it's the first time I've gone back to back actually winning. Yeah, on, on that, yeah. Of course, it's always funny if we, when you say a word when you belch. Yeah. Of course, my favorite one is beat. <laughs> well, before we go into any more questions, i got to tell you something really, really funny. I think y'all get a kick out of it. I remember a top ten list that David Letterman did. I think it was after he came on CBS. He had one before, long before Barry White passed away. God rest his soul. He was a great, great singer. He came on there and did a, helped David Letterman do a top ten list of top ten words that sounded sexy when sung by Barry White. <laughs> and one of them, that one I remember this that one of them was Oprah. <laughs> that was hilarious. I need to find that on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Question number twelve. In September 1986, the first ever NWA United States Tag Team Titles Champions were crowned. Which tag team won a one night tournament to become the first title holders? Was it the Road Warriors, B, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev, C, Dick Murdoch and Wahoo McDaniel, or D, Barry Windham and Ron Garvin, J.D.? Windham and Garvin. Windham and Garvin. All right, and John. John's also going along with Windham and Garvin. Question number 13. One of the highlights of this era was the legendary feud between NWA champion Ric Flair and the American Dwayne Desi Rhodes, if you will. Oh, I miss Michelle. I, got, I, I miss Michelle. How much you come back? She'll be back <laughs> soon enough. Hopefully she'll be with us soon. I did, like I said, I did talk to her offline a few days ago, and she's doing better. I'm happy to report. 
Oh, good. And when she comes back on, I'm going to do that impression on her. I'm going to say, I miss Michelle if you will. <laughs> okay. Let me, re- let me repeat the whole thing again because I just got carried away. One of the highlights of this era was the legendary feud between NWA champion Ric Flair and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. On what date did the Dream defeat his longtime arch nemesis to win the NWA heavyweight title? Listen to these dates carefully. Was it January 26, 1986? B, July, t- July 26, 1986? C, April 26, 1988? Or D, July 26, 1987? J.D.? I know this for a fact. It's on Dusty's DVD, the American Dream DVD. July 26, 86 in Greensboro, the Coliseum at the Great American Bash. I'll be right back. All right, July 26, 86 is what J.D. said. And John? Okay, and we'll and we'll say that right there. We'll pause. We've got six questions to go. We'll pause here for just one second. Here, <clears throat> we'll take care of this here uh, while we wait for JD. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. This is episode three fifty seven of the Mothership Broadcast, WWS Revolution. Of course, here for Wednesday, July fifth, two thousand and seventeen. I am, of course, Mr. WS Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you, <clears throat> alongside the Iceman, J.D., Jared DiGirolamo, and the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross. Of course, J.D., a 2015 and 17 WS Hall of Famer, and John, the first 2016 WS Hall of Famer, <clears throat> both, of course, members of the Raw Radio Broadcast team. <clears throat> uh, J.D., have you returned? Okay, he has not yet. Um, of course, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, as we did, as we, as I, of course, I posted a video earlier in the group WWS Entertainment Cavalcade. Uh, Different in certain circumstances between uh, that I was informed of from the Ice Manager, the drama had 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 uh, forced us to change the schedule for outside the ropes for the next two weeks, as I did mention uh, for this week. Of course, uh, we'll have it. We'll have episode number sixty on <clears throat> on Friday on, on yes on Friday July seventh at seven p.m. Of course, as we will. Of course, it will be the same thing as before. Of course, our latest pop culture headlines making the rounds of uh, movies, music, sports, politics. You name it, we'll be talking about it. And then, of course, we'll put JD in the hot seat one more time here for some more for some more big time movie trivia in the hot seat movie trivia challenge. And of course, next next uh, uh, next week as well. Of course, episode sixty one of Outside the Ropes will also be preempted, so we have moved that to next Friday, uh, July fourteenth, at from seven to eight p.m. right here on Talk Show. Again, as always, of course, the same method as before, uh, uh, the latest pop culture headlines, and also of course the Hot Seat Movie Trivia Challenge. So, so the next two weeks, uh, like I said. Uh, Outside the ropes will be a little bit different here this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, but be sure, be sure, be sure to listen in to, of course, for for outside the ropes here, of course, this Friday at seven o'clock for episode number sixteen, and with episode sixty-one will be next Friday, July fourteenth at seven p.m. as well. Call ID one four one three eight seven pound. JD, are you back? Yep. Uh, before we proceed, on, we have six more questions to go, but I do have to step away for just one second. Folks been taking care of and all that. So if there's something you need to mention or anything like that, please go ahead and do so. I will be back momentarily. All right. There's not much to discuss, however, like we said, however. 
be able to keep you informed of what's going on, however. And of course, a quick reminder, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this coming Monday, of course, Raw Radio will be celebrating episode number 101, of course. We will talk about the aftermath of Great Falls Fire and also get you set up for Battleground. Be sure to check it out this week, ladies and gentlemen. We will definitely have quite a bit to discuss. Thank you. 
Sorry about that, uh, folks. I'm back on here now. JD, I'm back. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. As we continue forward, uh, we're up to question number 14, of course, and talking about the Jim Crockett era of the NWA. Uh, <clears throat> good answering so far here, folks, from both JD and John. So here we go. Question number 14. <coughs> Excuse me. In early 1988, Paul Jones paired the Barbarian and the Warlord together and dubbed the duo the Powers of Pain. They immediately began a feud with the Road Warriors, but just as, as, the, as the angle was about to climax, the, power, the Powers of Pain left for the WWF. What did the Warlord and Barbarian refuse to do which caused them to defect? Was it A, compete in a ring that was on fire, B, shave their beards, C, lose a series of scaffold matches, or C, I mean B, legitimately break their leg. JD. C, scaffold matches. Lose a series of scaffold matches. Uh, John? You're also saying the same. Okay. Question number 15. In September 1987, the Rockwell Express lost the NWA tag team titles for the final time to the team of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Many maintained that the bout should never have taken place because shortly before the match, Ricky Morton was attacked and his shoulder was seriously injured. Who attacked Morton and injured his shoulder? Was it the New Breed, the Road Warriors, the Midnight Express, or the Coloffs? J.D. The Coloffs. The Coloffs. Uh, John. Don is also saying Nicole also, okay? Question number 16. On March 27, 1988, Jim Crockett aired a a free event on TBS the same day that the WWF had its WrestleMania 4 pay-per-view. These events continued to take place usually every three or four months apart. What was the event called? Was it the Clash of Champions, the Battle of the Belts, the Parade of Champions, or Super Clash? J.D. Clash of the Champions. 
and John. John also said Clash of Champions, okay? Question number 17. One of the last acts Dusty Rhodes did as Booker was to turn the legendary Road Warriors heel. In January 1989, with Ted Turner now in charge, Rhodes was fired for a especially brutal TV spot. What did Rhodes make the Warriors do to him that led to his dismissal? Was it A, slice him with a razor, B, throw acid in his face, C, shove a spike in his eye, or D, stab him with a knife? J.D. What was the question again? Sorry. One of the last acts Dusty Rhodes did as Booker... Spike in the eye. Was a spot, was, was a, Okay, so you said he shoved a spike in his eye. Okay. Yeah. Uh, John. Ooh, this makes my eyes hurt to see you now. John also says the same thing. Very show a spike in his eye. Okay. Question number eighteen. In late nineteen eighty seven, this longtime mild mannered wrestler with an outstanding collegiate background fell under the guidance of the demonic Kevin Sullivan. Who was this wrestler who defeated Nikita Koloff for the NWA TV title just weeks later? Was it Larry Zabisco, Al Perez, Ron Simmons, or Mike Rotunda? J D. Mike Rotunda. Okay. John. John's also saying Mike Rotunda. Is it Rotunda or Tundo? Rotunda, but I call him Rotundo. Right. A lot of people, a lot of people have been saying, a lot of people contest that his name ends with an A, but I've heard some say it ends with, a, yeah. with an O. But it's, it's supposed to be with an A? Oh, no. Okay. Hmm? With an O, I see. So it's Rotundo. Okay, like you said, it was rotund. Okay, never mind, we'll talk about that later. Question number 19. In May 1986, the NWA U.S. title was stripped from Magnum T.A. and declared vacant. The top two contenders competed in an epic best of seven series to determine the new champion. Who faced Magnum in this fantastic series of bouts? Was it Lex Luger, Kelly Blanchard, Nikita Koloff, or Arn Anderson? Magnum T.A. and Nikita Koloff. What did you say? Did you say Nikita Koloff? Okay. Magnum T.A. and Nikita, yeah. Okay, yeah. Who faced Magnum in this fantastic series of battles? Nikita. You said Nikita Koloff. Right? That's what you said, right, J.D.? Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure that I, I hardly... So, John, John, the question is, who faced... John, let me repeat the question for you one more time. In May 1986, the NWA U.S. title was stripped from Magnum T.A. and declared vacant. The two top contenders competed in an epic best-of-seven series to determine the new champion. Who faced Magnum T.A. in this fantastic series of bouts? Was it Luger, Kelly Blanchard, Nikita Koloff, or Arn Anderson? And John is saying, okay, and you're also saying the same, you're also saying Nikita, okay? And the final question before we check all these, we'll check the answers to these questions. During this time period, the flagship show for the NWA took place on Saturday evenings on TBS. Which announced duo hosted this show from 1985 through 1988? 
Was it A, Tony Schiavone and Lance Russell, B, David Crockett and Gordon Soley, C, Tony Schiavone and David Crockett, or D, Bob Caldwell and Gordon Soley? J.D. D. You're saying Schiavone and Crockett. Yep. John? And you're also saying C as well, okay. All right, let's check and see how we did with the answers here. Question number one, <clears throat> who replaced uh, who, re who replaced Dennis Condry as Bobby Eaton's partner in the uh, Midnight Express? The answer was indeed Stan Lane. The original duo of Condry and Bobby Eaton held the NWA tag team titles for six months during 1986. In March 1987, Condry literally left one night and never returned, leaving a hole in the team. Immediately, Stan Lane, who had been teaming with Steve Kern as the Fabulous Ones for several years, was brought in as a replacement. This was a rare situation where the second version of a team was just as successful as the first. This day, many consider Lane and Eaton one of the all-time best tag teams. Question number two, who was not a member of the Paul Jones Army? You are right, it was, it was indeed Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer. Wearing a do-rag and furry boots, carrying a steel chain and even barking like a dog, Buzz Sawyer was one of the most colorful characters of the 1980s. He was also one tough dude and had stints just about every major federation, including a micro one in the WWF. The late great Buzz Sawyer was many things, but he was never managed by the dastardly Paul Jones. Question number three. Who was, who was the American trader who joined the co-ops in early 1985? It was indeed Crusher Khrushchev. When the Kena co-op began to focus on a serious, serious run, at the NWA heavyweight title held by Ric Flair, Ivan brought in Crusher Khrushchev. The reason was that the co-ops were the NWA tag team champions and special permission was given so that 82 and the three could defend the belts. This is a symbol, of course, we all know this is called the Freebird Rule. Well, the Freebirds, I think, always did this. Question number four. Uh, Ronnie Garvin, of course, had his hand broke. Uh, he faced Tully Blanchard in what type of gimmick match during the 86th Great American Bash Tour. It was indeed a tape fist, fist match. Very similar to a traditional boxing match, a tape fist match consists of 10 three-minute rounds, and the match ends when the wrestler cannot make it to his feet before a 10 count. Despite that, Garvin's extensive boxing experience, it was the heel Blanchard who won the majority of these bouts during the bash of 1986. Question number five. Which team did not defeat the Rock and Roll Express between 85 and 87 for the tag team titles? Uh, JDU and John said Manny Fernandez and Rick Rude. Believe it or not, it was Ole and Arn Anderson. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and, Ole and Arn Anderson, did not manage to win the NWA tag team titles together during the Crockett era. They did hold the national tag team titles in April 85 until the titles were phased out in the spring of 86. The Andersons were a constant thorn in the side of the Rock and Roll Express, but never managed to defeat their rivals. In fact, their loss in a steel cage match at Starcade 86 that led to manager J.J. Dillon's dissatisfaction with Ole Anderson, whom he blamed for the loss. Number six, uh, <clears throat> what, was, what, other, what other change occurred at the other Bass show in 1987? J.D. was right. It was the past T. Williams defeating Big Bubba Rogers 
for the UWF heavyweight title. In the spring of 87, to combat the WWF juggernaut, promoters Jim Crockett of the NWA and Bill Watts of the UWF decided to merge and share talents. The 1987 Great American Bash featured wrestlers and matches from both federations. By late 1987, Crockett brought, it, brought, bought, bought out Watts and the UWF was dissolved along with his championships. Ironically, one of the key additions was the rising star known as Sting, who would have a breakout year in 1988 and become one of their top stars for many years. Question number seven, of course, uh, what was the what was Dusty uh, Rhodes' uh, great uh, uh, certain? He popularized a certain finish. What was it? The ending called? It wasn't forced. In fact, the Dusty finish. So used to this day in wrestling, the Dusty finish is unique because it basically increases the intensity of an angle but maintains the status quo. It is usually used when a face is pursuing a heel with a title and with whom he has a vendetta with. The heel will be disqualified due to interference either from his manager or an associate. Also, the heel may gain a pinfall using some illegal or underhanded means. The villain, having cheated, is hated even more but still in possession of his title. Meanwhile, the hero is loved even more and has garnered more support in his quest because he was screwed. Question number eight. <clears throat> uh, during the spring of 87, um, who did Ric Flair say was one of his toughest challengers to date? He fought in 60-minute draws. It was, in fact, Barry Windham. For the first half of 87, Barry Windham presented Rick, Rick Flair with one of his toughest challenges. The two fought so often to a 60-minute draw that promoters began to make the time limit of their bouts to 90 minutes. Believe it or not, actually, they actually lasted to that time limit a few times as well. When Flair left the WWF in July 1991, he had actually offered to drop the WCW heavyweight title to Windham out of respect. Number nine, Paul Jones and his army waged war against Jimmy Valiant. They completed, they competed in just by every gimmick and every spare match. Who never got his head shaved during the feud? Uh, J.D. and John, you said Jimmy Valiant. It was actually Manny Fernandez. During the summer of 86, Valiant challenged Jones and his goons to a series of hair versus hair bouts. Valiant defeated former ally Shaska Watley and shaved him bald in July 1980. As a few weeks later, it was Valiant his loss when Jones defeated him and took the Clippers to his head. Finally, at Starkey 86, with his wife's hair on the line, Jimmy Valiant succeeded by beating his rival Jones and making him a cue ball. Manny Fernandez managed to hold on to his mane during this war, probably because he switched sides in the middle, in the middle of the feud. Uh, number 10, of course, for the U.S. heavyweight title, uh, between SRK 85 between Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, an I quit steel cage match. What did Magnum use to grind into Tully's head to get a submission? It wasn't JD got round no, my man. It was a broken chair leg. Magnum was able to get possession of a broken chair leg and used that to get a submission from his rival. Victory started Magnum's second reign as the U.S. champion and solidified his status as a rising star. Indeed, Crockett and Rhodes had big plans for Terry Allen. His career was ended in an automobile accident in October 1986. This day, Allen still walks with a slight limp and sometimes uses a cane. Question number 11, who never won the prestigious Crockett Cup during his three-year existence? It was, in fact, the Rock and Roll Express. The Crockett Cup was a 2014 tag team tournament 
with a $1 million prize to the winning team. No wonder Crockett went bankrupt and had to sell in 1986. The Mighty Road Warriors defeated Ron Garland and Magnum TA. In 1987, Dusty Rhodes and Nikita Koloff defeated Lex Luger and Tully Blanchard. And in its final year, Luger and Sting defeated Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Number 12, uh, who were the first title holders of the NWA United States Tag Team titles? Uh, J.D. and John said Barry Windham and Ron Garvin. It was actually Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. Ironically, the communist duo of Koloff and Khrushchev defeated the late Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantel, a.k.a. AKA the Kansas Jayhawks, become the first titleless. The duo held the belts for three months before dropping them to Barry Windham and Ron Garvin in December of 1986. Immediately following the loss, Khrushchev, also known as Barry Garso, Went to, the w- went to the WWF where for the next four years he portrayed Smash of Demolition and, of course, the infamous Repo Man. Y'all remember that. <laughs> uh, let's see. What they did, Dusty Rhodes defeat Ric Flair to win the NWA heavy- heavyweight title. JD had it correct. It was July 26, 1986. At, on July 26 of 86, at one of the last shows of the 86th Great American Tour, Rhodes pinned Flair in an epic steel cage match to win his third NWA heavyweight crown. Unfortunately, his reign was short as Flair regained the strap two weeks later on August the 9th of the same year. Number 14, of course, uh, powers of, before the powers of pain left to go to the WWF, uh, what, did, uh, what did the warlord and barbarian refuse to do, refuse to do which caused him to defect? J.D. also had this correct. It was lose a series of scaffold matches. One of the most dangerous matches ever created was the infamous scaffold match, where the participants wrestled some 20 or 25 feet above the ring. The bout ended when both members of one team took a nasty spill off the structure and onto the ring below. Losing one of these bouts is tough. Losing a series like the powers of pain were, were asked to do during the 88 Great American Bash Tour is like a Russian roulette fearing permanent injury that opted to walk when they could not get out of the angle. Question number 15. Uh, who, who attacked Ricky Morton and injured his shoulder that caused the Rockwell Express to lose the tag team titles to the horsemen? Uh, J.D. and John, y'all said the Koloffs. It was actually the Midnight Express. Morton was attacked by longtime rivals in Midnight Express, which now consisted of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. Gibson chose to wrestle his foes alone. However, the injured Morton couldn't stay put and ran to the ring to help his partner. Arn and Tully punished, punished Morton's shoulder until Gibson had the contest stopped. Just two months later, Morton and Gibson gained revenge on Lane and Eaton by defeating them in, at Starcade 87 in the last ever scaffold match. Number 16. Uh, uh, of course, in 88, Jim Crockett aired a free event on TBS the same day that WrestleMania 4 came on. Uh, this, this event took place every three, or four, every three or four months apart. It was, in fact, called the Clash of the Champions. On March 27, 1988, the first ever Clash of Champions took place, and in the main event, Sting battled NWA champion Ric Flair for the 45 draw. This incredible match is the bout in which many consider the match which started Sting's path to glory. The Clash events continued long after Crockett sold to Ted Turner. The last one took place in August of 1997. Number 17, 
uh, one of the last things Dusty Rose did as Booker is one of the reasons why he got his. He probably was trying to turn the Road Warriors heel. What did Rhodes make the Warriors do to, that, do to him that led to his dismissal? J.D. had it right. It was shove a spike in his eye. In December 88, the Warriors attacked Rhodes on television, temporarily blinded him by gouging a spike in his eye. This may have been okay with the Crockett's, but they had sold to Ted Turner, who had Rhodes fired for this the following month. Turner apparently did not like the violent nature of the incident and wanted very little blood in his matches. This was a stark contrast to Rhodes and the Crockett's, who used blood in just about every key contest. Number 18, uh, of course, uh, <clears throat> uh, this wrestler was brought in, uh, uh, fell into the guidance of Kevin Sullivan. Who, was his, who, of course, he also defeated Nikita Koloff for the NWA TV title weeks later. It was, in fact, Mike Rotunda, or Rotunda, whatever you want to call him. In late 87, early 88, Kevin Sullivan dubbed himself the Games Master and formed a varsity club with Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner. Although both wrestlers were gifted athletes, it soon, <clears throat> it soon became apparent that Sullivan favored Rotunda, which caused Steiner to leave in November of 1988. Uh, number 19 here, uh, the NWA U.S. title was stripped from Magnum T.A., who faced Magnum in a, ser- in a best of seven series uh, to determine a new champion. It was, in fact, Nikita Koloff. Taking place during the 86th Great American Bash Tour, the best of seven series for the vacant U.S. title was one of the highlights. Nikita actually led the series three bouts to none, but Magnum valiantly, 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 valiantly fought back to even the series before dropping the final match. And the last question, who was the announced duo during uh, the flagship show for the NWA on Saturday nights on TBS in 85-88? It was, in fact, Tony Schiavone and David Crockett. The legendary duo of Tony Schiavone and David Crockett hosted a show called World Championship Wrestling Saturday Night from April 85 to December 88. In early 88, Jim Ross was added, and just three weeks later, after selling the business in December of 88, Crockett was removed. Turner then renamed the NWA World Championship Wrestling in early 1989, completely erasing the name that had stood for over 80 years. Uh, and I said the average score for this, which I forgot to mention this, by the way, uh, was uh, 12 out of 20, and J.D. and John, y'all did... Terrific here. Y'all got 16 out of 20 correct. So very good indeed there, folks. Very good. Very good indeed. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, and I happen to notice here. Why in the world did you... Why in the... J.D., you sick... <laughs> Uh, okay, now you got me. Now you got me interested here. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but the Iceman Jared, did you hide it? Oh, no, 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 no. JD, you sick puppy. Why the world you do that to me, man? Don't do that to me. Oh. The U.S. women's national hockey team changed the. Oh, my Lord, the body issue. That's the, uh, 
Okay, I will. I will look at this later because you're 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 getting my mind off of what we're supposed to be doing here, JD. You sit. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh Lord, have mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, our own Iceman Jeremy Geronimo sometimes wants to uh, push the envelope, as they always say. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, I'm of course glad that the last ticker Anne Marie Rickenbog is not on here to watch this want to hear that. She's on here to hear that. Uh, but great job all around with those questions there, guys. Um, Mr. Let's see here. Okay, this is this is, here. This is going to be a very short one here. We're going to put JD, we're going to put JD and John on the hot seat right here. This is going to be one about about WWF titles. There's only five questions here. All right. And it, and it is and it is uh, and it is uh, you got a difficult rating. So JD, if you're willing to take a chance, ready. All right, John, are you willing to take a chance on this? Okay. All right, here we go here, guys. Remember, it's on, w- on WWF titles. Keep that in mind. All right, question number one. The Intercontinental Championship replaced which former title in the WWF? Was it the National Heavyweight title? The inter-foreign title, the North American title, or the superweight title, JD. North American. North American. Okay, and John. And John also says North American, so we'll say North American. Okay. Question number two, and this one. So I'm going to have to type in so I don't have any choices. Who is the only person to hold the Canadian Heavyweight Championship in the WWF, J.D.? Pat Patterson. Same Pat Patterson. John? John also says Pat Patterson, so we will say... Okay, question number three. Who was the first person 
to hold four titles in the WWF? Was it Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, or The Undertaker, KD? I want to say Shawn Michaels. It was Shawn Michaels. Uh, John? John also says Shawn Michaels. We'll go ahead with that. This one, next question I'm going to have. I don't have any choices for this, so i, I got to type in the answer. Who was the first person to win the WWF world title on an episode of Raw on a Monday night? J.D. What was the question again? Sorry. Who was the first person to win the WWF world title on an episode of Raw on a Monday night? Mick Foley. The same Mick Foley. Okay. And John? John also says me. And I was only asked for one word, so I'll go ahead and I'll just say mankind if that's okay with you. JD. That's okay. JD, are you still there? JD. JD. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. okay. Uh, it was asking for a one-word answer, so I'm going to put mankind, if that's okay with you. Okay. Okay. All right. And question number five, which one of these following tag teams has never won the tag team titles in the WWF? Was it the Rockers, Haku and Andre the Giant, the Hart Foundation, or Bob Holly and X-Pac, J.D.? The Hart Foundation. Okay. Never won the tag titles in the WWF. Oh, wait a minute. Bob Holly and X-Pac, sorry. Same, Bob Holly and X-Pac, okay. John? Diarrhea and Roman Reigns, what? And John's also saying Bob Holly as well. All right. Let's see how we did with only five questions you had to answer. Let's see how you did. All right. Question number one, the Intercontinental title replaced, yes, indeed, it was. did replace the North American title. It turned into the Intercontinental title in 1979. Question number two, who was the only person to hold the Canadian heavyweight title? J.D., you and John said Pat Patterson. It was Dino Bravo. No Bravo. This title was later, of course, vacated. Number three, who was the first person to hold four titles in the WWF? You and John got it right, J.D. It was, in fact, Shawn Michaels. Of course, in 1997, he won the European title, which was his fourth belt. Question number four. Who was the first person to win the WF World title on an episode of Raw on a Monday night? We said Mankind or Mick Foley. It was actually... Sid defeated Bret Hart the day after In Your House Final Four. And question number five, which of, these, which of the tag teams have never won the tag titles on the WF? 
You said Bob Holly and Max Pac. It was the Rockers. The Rockers won the WWF Tag Team Titles on an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, but the decision was reversed, so it goes down in history that they never won it. Well, the average score, J.D., was two out of five, and that's what you got. You got two out of five. <laughs> so, uh, so nonetheless, I mean, that was a great great effort on that one right there. Of course, that was that was kind of difficult there indeed. So, uh, nonetheless, it was a, a great a great uh, great round of trivia there for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, on that note, uh, J.D., anything you wish to add before we leave this evening? No, be sure to check out Talk Peel Inc. Tomorrow night we will be talking about Ring of Honor in New Japan, and then of course Wolfpack at nine. Yep, thank you very much, there, JD. And uh, John, anything you wish to add, sir? Which I did happen to notice, ladies and gentlemen, that the Human Surplus Machine has been posting his uh, his weekly rants after Monday Night Raw on our Revolution Radio Facebook page. Uh, so definitely check those out. You know they're worth the watch and worth the listen. Indeed, he does go off on everything that has taken place on episodes of Raw. So <laughs> yes, indeed, yes, indeed. On that note, here, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for popping on for for listening here to us tonight for episode 357 of Revolution. Uh, of course, I do want to thank GFWUS Global Phenom for 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 setting up our live video feed here from the from the Radio Network Group Tour tonight. Also, of course, I want to thank the Iceman J.D. Jerry Duolmo for his uh, Raw for his SmackDown review, and of course, the Wrestling News and Views segment. Also, I do want to thank the Human Suplex Machine John Gross for his history, history and birthdays, as well as of course his, uh, his his thoughts and opinions about last night's SmackDown. And also, and of course, I uh, also J.D. and John both for of course an excellent uh, excellent. Uh, um, Wrestling trivia tonight. Very good indeed. Very good indeed. We all learned something during all this tonight here. Uh, first off, of course, on WWF titles, and then, of course, on the Jim Crockett era in the NWA. So, very interesting indeed. I also want to thank the last kicker, Anne Marie Rickenbach, for joining us on our live video feed here tonight. We're in, coming in for a brief moment, but nonetheless, we're going to thank her for coming on here as well. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been, like I said, episode 357 of WWS Revolution. Of course, Revolution is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com. But we're two years older and continuing to be bolder. The Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. For the Iceman, J.D., Jared Girolamo, the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross, the last kicker, Anne-Marie Rickenbach, and the entire panel went too tough to handle this is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you so much for joining us here tonight. <clears throat> uh, take care of yourselves and each other. <clears throat> and, uh, and of course, like I said, if you're still having a good time, of course, during this 4th of July week, to still be very, very careful out there. You never know what you'll be at. You'll never know what you run into out there. So definitely, ladies and gentlemen, please be careful out there indeed. <clears throat> uh, take care of yourselves and each other. Um, see you in the ring. And as always here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com, God bless everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done.